0: Welcome to the Extra Show of the Progressive Britain Podcast. My name is Richard Angel, the Director of Progress. I'm joined by the Chair of Progress, Alison McGovern. Hello. And Neil Stewart, who is the former Political Secretary to Labour leader, Neil Kinnock. Hello. Many things since that. And joins us on this momentous day, as we record, as the Prime Minister has basically just sat down in the House of Commons and um, having presented and her deal. a very
2: warm House of Commons, I must say. Alison it was is fresh from the warmth of the House warm of Commons. very, very warm in there. Um, having sweaty. presented
0: the deal that she has agreed with the European Union to her cabinet, what is last night, and then to the House of Commons today. So, Alison, can you tell us, how was it received?
2: Oh, I think from, like, badly to terribly we had the drama this morning of expecting to come in to have this statement at 10.30. And as, you know, everybody was sort of doing a few last minute uh, media interviews, or um, as I was uh, brushing the hair in their office just before going into the House of Commons, um, the news comes in that uh, the resignations have started. And I think the one that really shocked me was Dominic Raab, the Brexit secretary, um, resigning. It's like, spending, I can't remember how long it was ago, he uh, took over from David Davis, but it's it's a good few months, four or five months now, uh, spending all of that time negotiating this 500 page uh, agreement. And then just as the presses, you know, have rolled and the thing is published saying, that's it, I don't agree with it. And walking out the door, absolute scenes in Westminster. And, uh, and we're just as we sat here now, estimate phase resigned. And uh, we just await to hear news of who else is walking out the door.
0: And so before before we get to all of that, just for those who've been kind of hiding under a rock for this 24 and hours. who could blame them? I mean, it's the best place to be yeah. when any Brexit news is happening. And it's where most of the British public locate themselves when it comes on the news now. What actually has she brought back okay. from this deal? So
2: this is really, really important. And people often refer quite erroneously to the deal what we have got now is not the deal. It's not anything like the deal. We've got a very, very long legal text on the rules for withdrawing from the European Union, how much we're going to pay them, what happens to citizens, what the arrangements are for unpicking the, our membership of the European Union. And most crucially in that, a legal agreement that protects the uh, Irish interests in the Northern Ireland border being open alongside that, there's also a very short, it's only seven pages we've got at the moment, very short political statement on the future relationship, which is basically unicorns. It is motherhood and apple pie. It's basically, we would like frictionless trade. We would like everybody to be happy and nobody to be unhappy. It just is basically an aspirational wish list for the future, which means that basically what we're negotiating here is a withdrawal into a transition period that will broadly be customs union and much of the single market. But we really don't know where, we head, where we're headed now. We really don't know what happens in 2020. At the end of those two years, we don't know where we're going to end up. So
0: avid listeners of the podcast will remember, or those who want to go back and listen to past editions, will remember that Roger Little came on this podcast right at the beginning and explained there is three deals needed, one to leave, one to transition, and one for, to trade for the future. That's So right, she's done yeah. the first, the second with no end point, and then unicorns for the third. So it's yeah. a really We still don't
2: know. We still don't know.
0: So Neil, you've been around politics for a while and seen prime ministers at their height
1: and at their lows. Well, the Where's the prime two, minister today? Two reflections on this week. Um, I mean, I was uh, working for Neil Kinnock when Margaret Thatcher was challenged. And the one thing about the Tory party that you knew then was that when they decided to challenge her and got rid of her, It was done quickly. Jeffrey Howe popped up. Then you knew there was a challenge. She had to get the numbers. She didn't get the numbers, famously being caught out while she was in Paris. Uh, Then there was an election. Then she resigned. Uh, John Major decided not to go through that. He decided to face them down. There's no sign that uh, Mrs May uh, can manage her own party or her own party can manage itself. And it's important, and this keeps being missed, The the current Conservative Party are trashing Mrs. Thatcher's legacy. She spotted that the single market, her and uh, uh, Lord Caulfield, who was the commissioner at the time, that that mechanism was going to be important for an island on what they used to call the periphery of Europe. So, you know, these Conservatives are trashing a major part of mrs thatcher's legacy and reese mogg and others need to stand up and say why they think mrs thatcher was so stupid and so wrong
2: but that's i mean that's uh, neil's absolutely correct this is not about a coherent economic policy this is not about looking at since that time when um, europe decided to integrate its supply chains and decided to work together economically it's this is not a look at that and saying, well, that's not right now. Um, this is just about tearing it up. This is actually, it is actually non-conservative. This is what we're seeing from them is is kind of quite radical damage um, to the agreements that we have and the conventions and norms that we have um, with, the, with our partners in Europe. And they have no idea of what they want to replace it. They have no thought through plan. Um, all they have is the idea of standing in the way of cooperation between us and Europe.
0: So it seems from Jeremy Corbyn's appearance in the House of Commons today that Labour will be voting down uh, this deal. Yeah,
2: um, Jeremy said at a certain point that this was an, I think, I can't remember exact words, but he said an uncertain agreement for an indeterminate period. And uh, that, I mean, that essentially captures what I was just saying. This is just, it's very flimsy We don't know when the transition's really going to end and we don't really know where we're headed. So it's very hard to argue that we would vote for that.
1: Neil, no, you've worked for a leader of the opposition. What's
0: well, it going to be like in his camp right now? What are they thinking through? What have they got to assess? Well,
1: I'd be waiting to hear what the uh, general secretaries, especially the manufacturing unions, had to say, uh, because they all are already looking at a cliff in March for their members, for companies saying that they're going to um, you know, go on two weeks' leave, uh, worried about the supply chains, et cetera, um, you know, extending that for another two years, Uh, for some of them will look like a win in the hope that there's something better down the road. So I think a lot of the trade union leaders will be very conflicted. I would love to be hearing the telephone conversations. Um, It's like the old days when we used to argue about nuclear power. They used to all say one thing in public about how terrible and risky it was and wave to bits in the left of the Labour Party and privately come round behind us and say, well, but don't do anything that damaged jobs in Sellafield or Barrow or any of the manufacturing facilities in the Midlands. So the Labour Party has got a real dilemma as we come up to a real world date, not just a constitutional uh, issue, but when it'll start to affect people's jobs. And they begin to understand how it affects their jobs, their livelihood in a tangible way. Because at the moment, it's quite clear with the polls not moving, that people have not connected it to their own lives yet. But when they do, uh, that will be a very important moment for the Labour Party. And you've got experience of that, so in the Scottish referendum that you were part of previously. Well, I mean, you're now talking seriously a long time ago. Um, so, of course, the first referendum in Scotland was in the late 70s, and there were companies like Scottish Widows, which were UK-wide companies, and when they asked their employees why they'd, some of them had voted for independence, they said, well, you know, we want to be independent. We're a Scottish company. We're Scottish Widows. When they said to them, but you do 80% of your business, you're a national company, 80% of your business is in England, they would go, oh, is it that much? So lots of people know that their businesses and their organizations do work in Europe, but quite often they don't know how much it is. And in England at the moment, I keep looking at this statistic that says 80% of British companies just trade with other British companies. Well, but if they're trading with Nissan or Toyota, mm. you know, that is a h- massive piece of fake hoax news. Yeah. And if those people are not exporting, the supply chain is going to go down.
2: And I think that captivates the whole problem that we have faced and will continue to face that um, people don't necessarily understand how interconnected the economy is. Um, and, you know, we can't, we can't blame people for that. But what we have a job to do is to talk to people about Exactly how that works, I would say. You know, in our area, you know, we've got a big car factory in Ellesmere Port, uh, Vauxhall Motors. And you may think that, like, that, like hairdressing or like a local solicitor has got not much to do with global manufacturing. But if Vauxhall Motors shuts down, then do you think the hairdressing business that cuts the hair of the people who work in the factory? Do you think that's got a successful future? No, it has not. So that is why over the next few weeks, the real challenge for us as Labour members and campaigners, is to say to people, OK, this debate is going really badly. Our country is being driven to the brink. Please talk to your friends and neighbours about thinking again about this, about how we can listen to the, th- the reasons why people might have voted leave and address them and then say, ask ourselves a simple question. Is the Tory Brexit plan going to help those problems? Is it going to help us deal with food banks and poverty in our communities or is it going to be a hindrance we've got to start having those conversations
0: and that was your brilliant question in the house today what in this uh agreement actually helps the poor yeah, people and in this country and, i can't and see is... it i can't
2: see it you know is there anything in this agreement that will reduce food poverty in in our country i can't see it so therefore how can we vote for it on the one hand but also we've got to listen to people who've Dealt with those problems of poverty and felt aggrieved, and at the same time have solutions for those issues.
0: So Labour's front bench are out today saying that uh, in the circumstance of a snap election, we would go back and renegotiate this deal. I think the key question is: Is there going to be a snap election?
2: Lord only knows. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I think Neil might have a view on on what history tells us, but you know, I think Theresa May has proved that she pretty much wants to keep going. She's not in the business of, you know, throwing the towel in, I don't think. So it's all in the hands of the Tory party.
1: Neil? Uh, and the Ulster Unionists. Um, I, good point. Um, yeah. But if, because they're- not in a happy mood today. They're not in a happy mood today, <laughs> um, which is interesting because back in the 92 election, uh, the leaders of the Ulster Unionists, when I went to see them about whether they would back a Labour government, they were quite clear that they would never allow themselves to be in a position where they decided who was the UK government. Really? They they thought that that would mean that they were finished uh, as part of the UK, that there would be a terrible revenge afterwards. And I think... Uh, you it, know, it
2: turns out a billion pounds made them feel differently. It made
1: them feel differently. Um, but, you know, there might be two or three attempts to form a government. So if, uh, if the government loses a vote, uh, the Prime Minister might resign, somebody else might be... Uh, it might be a coronation. I think the Conservative Party have learned that lesson. They might try again if they get the Unionists back on board, and I'm sure that's the thinking of some of the people that have resigned.
2: They could bring the vote. They could bring the vote forward on the deal, lose it, and then try Correct. again with some yeah. compromise or something of that nature. But
1: that's an extraordinary thing to. Now that's all fine in the parlour politics of Westminster. With all respect, uh, but if the pound is going up or down are flying around uh, and the real world from the outside is suddenly making some industries uh, you know into difficulty remember the drop in the pound after exit was one of the key factors that saved some of the steel industries or gave them a lifeline uh, if it goes the other way then the opposite happens we've already got an investment pause strike happening and that'll impact so i think you know there may be some maneuvers But uh, watch the markets as well, because at that point, uh, grown-ups have to step in, even in the Conservative Party, or they have to split. So if we think a general election is unlikely, or or there's going to be lots of manoeuvrings
0: before, what's the chance of a people's vote, and has it gone up because of the particular deal that she's brought back?
2: Unfortunately, again, the answer is really it's in the hands of the Conservative Party. Regular listeners to our podcast will know that uh, we all spent a lot of time at Labour Party conference discussing what our policy should be. And... And, you know, it's being activated now. We've judged the deal on our tests. The front bench, you know, the leader and uh, our shadow Brexit secretary have said doesn't meet the tests. We're going to vote against it. Um, we'll see if it goes through. And then we really are in, you know, a pretty strange situation in that we are not in control of whether or not we have a general election, but nor are we in control of whether or not we have a, a second vote, a people's vote. That will really depend on whether there are whether the SNP um, and Conservative MPs would be prepared to vote with us on that. So, be more
0: likely if Labour came out strongly for it, they wouldn't? We
2: yeah, I, well, I, I think so. But I mean, the real answer to that is we don't know. Um, it, if you listen to what uh, what was said in the House of Commons by Tory MPs, they're all over the shop. I don't know what is going
1: to happen. Well, they're in a terrible mess. But if there is an election, Jeremy's just going to have one question thrown at him all the time. Are you the choice for staying in Europe? And if you're not the choice, what choice is the general election offering people? Now Vince Cable will jump up and say, here I am, Uh, vote for me. I don't think uh, many people think that that is a likely course. So you could actually have a stalemate uh, general election. What a wonderful place
0: to leave that and uh, leave that hanging with progress members who've been out over the country having uh, referendum general election fatigue because uh, we've been working so hard uh, around the country. Neil, thank you for joining us uh, this week. Alison, thank you again for thank coming you. on The Extra Show. The last thing it's left me to do is to give the answer to Connor's political pub quiz question. So this week he asked, how many US presidents have been left-handed? And the internet tells me it's at least eight, including God, Obama, and Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, and the first, George Bush. Uh, how
2: many How many women US presidents have been left-handed? <laughs> uh, That's a very good question,
0: <laughs> uh, Alison. Maybe that can be for the next political pub quiz question. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I'll yeah. leave people to ponder on that. I've been Richard Angel. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by
2: Carolyn Crampton.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.